Uh, so last week, I think I talked about I talked about the Land Cruiser. I was going to get the motor that day, right? Yes. Yeah. And you kept so back. You made it safe. You're I here. did make it safely back. And uh, I have to say, I was a little proud of myself. And this is dumb, but whatever. So I went. I drove all the way down to Tennessee, like three hours to get this motor. Um, I go to this farm. This uh, lady named Erin was the one that sold it to me. She was super cool and driving a tractor and totally like picked up the motor and set it in the trailer and everything for me. She was awesome. And so we uh, we strapped this thing down and it was a little five by eight trailer, very light duty trailer. And so we dropped the entire motor. This is everything, not the transmission, but the entire everything else, right? So it's a big hunk of stuff. Dropped this thing uh, over the axles and then I strapped it down. And I strapped it down with ratchet straps because that's what I had. And I realized as I got there, I'm like, I have no clue how to strap this thing down. So we're, it's sitting on a tire, you know, so it has a little squish and has a little yeah. stand for it. But I'm like, I don't know how this thing is going to try to move. Never mm-hmm. even thought about it. When you I don't hit know. the brakes, it'll go forward. That's what yeah. <laughs> well, well, I didn't know if it, like, you know, is it going to, is it more weighted in one side than the other? Like, I, I just didn't know anything about it. So we decided to strap six straps across it uh, in like a, you know, like front to back, Only down the six. middle, and then front to back. Only six. You're and that was my worry. Okay. So <laughs> <Get this plan. laughs> I'm like, I'm like six straps, I guess. I don't know. Like, what if I hit a bump? Because the roads going through Nashville are terrible. Anybody that lives in Tennessee knows what I'm talking about. They're just, they're terrible. And so the whole way down there, I'm driving with this empty trailer that is bouncing all over the place because there's nothing on it, right? So it just, it's nerve wracking. And so I have that in my head, this bouncy trailer and everything. And so I'm worried about strapping this thing down. But I strap it across. I, I go through. There's, a, you know, the engine hooks on the top of it. I go through one of the hooks, and there's only one hook there instead of two, which is a little problematic. So I strap this thing down. Get back on the road. I mean, like, I drove up. We put it on the trailer. I turned right around and drove right back. And so the whole way back, I'm just expecting at any moment this thing is going to let loose. Be in your back seat. And I have, yeah, I have no idea if it's going to go behind me, if it's going to go over me, in front of me, if it's going to just roll over and drag the trailer and flip the trailer. Like, I have, I just don't know what this thing's going to do. And it was perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. But the reason I'm proud of myself is because when I got, the next morning, I drove it to the shop where I was going to drop it off. And, you know, we've talked about, like, the whole, when you go to the steel yard and you feel like the dumbest person in the room and you feel like everybody's going to kind of give you a hard time or make fun of you. I feel like that when I go to a mechanic shop because those people live that they know all of it they or, go here it comes yeah <laughs> and so like get all the fake parts out lay them on I'm, like, the <laughs> I'm like driving up in this thing and i'm like man they're gonna make fun of me for like doing something dumb with this motor that i just bought and like you know whatever so I pull in there guy comes out he's he's super nice he's been very nice to me this whole process and so he's standing there looking at it and he was like who strapped this thing down and i'm like oh great here it comes <laughs> <laughs> i said I did. My daughter. No, I was like, I I did it, man. Like, I don't know. And I started to kind of go into my like apology kind of thing. And he was like, that's really impressive. I bet that thing didn't move an inch, did it? I was like, Uh, no, it did not. I know exactly what I'm doing. I did notice that one of the straps, um, I think it was the one that was going through the engine hook, through the the travel, it, it cut itself in half. 
you know, it was going mm-hmm. over a, a sharp edge somewhere and it cut itself. And I immediately thought about, and I even sent Jimmy a picture of the cut strap afterwards, uh, saying, you know, one is two, and what is it? Two is one, and one is none. Yeah, that, that was Aaron's phrase. Aaron would say yeah. that all the time because he'd be yeah. like, "We're about to make a really long CNC cut," and he's like, "We got any extra bits?" I said, "We got one in there." He goes, two is one. One is none." Yeah. So, and then he so, would say uh, that about the straps too. I was I was glad to have six straps, so I could yes. have lost one. Or two well, actually, still been okay, six but, is five, <laughs> and five is and none? five is five. Oh, five, five is four. Is Gotcha. Six is five and five is four. That's it's classic. <laughs> Jimmy, man, you sent that photo and it looks so complicated. Modern engines just look so complicated with hoses and wires and yeah. everything. Coming is that out of it. is it a six? Is it a straight six? Yeah. And it it has way more. Like it has everything on it. All we really need is the block. And so when uh, you know after he complimented my strap job he um he was like wow you really got the whole thing didn't you and i mean i, I just went down there and bought it sheep threw it on the thing and we left and i didn't really you know he's like that's gonna be an but extra day of work yeah it has a bunch of stuff that has to come off of it yeah. which i should have thought about ahead of time at least taking off the things that i recently replaced on mine because the component like i put on a new water well, it's pump better to have extras if it's included in the price i always grab them because then you could either oh yeah them. but i mean i should have taken them off before i took them to his shop so he didn't i'm not <laughs> oh, yeah. paying him to unbolt yeah. the things that i could have unbolted but so anyway we talked about it he uh now that he has it he was you know gonna call the machine shop and start scheduling trying to figure out how long it would take and everything and i asked him you know, I don't I don't know anything about this rebuild process or swapping an engine. Like this is all very new to me, so I have n- I no idea are we talking months? I assume we're talking months. And he goes, "Well, it really depends on the machine shop and how much time they have. Once I have the rebuilt motor, uh, it'll take me 2 days to get it all in and out." And I'm like, "What? Like 2 days to take an engine out? I mean, I guess he'd have to take the other one out first, but to put on all that stuff that he doesn't need right now that's on there and put it back in and get it working for in two days. That seems crazy to me. Again, it's not my world yet, but I don't know. It seemed like a lot. So that was a week ago and I have not heard anything from him since. So I am going to follow up at the end of this week and try to get an idea of, you know, if he's talked to them and what the plan is. Cause man, I miss having a car. That's for yeah. sure. I would I, I would look know. for like mechanics Facebook groups and see if like photos of your strap job is just being passed around on all these different groups. <laughs> <laughs> I told him it was great. He believed yeah. me. Look at this idiot. He felt really good about himself <laughs> for a minute. He believed me. <laughs> yeah. That's but, funny. I so a couple of weeks ago one of my neighbors is making this crazy hitch. I don't know if it's ever going to work, but I just did what he wanted me to. He had chalk marks all over his steel to to for me to weld. He's got this crazy, uh, he's got a, a, an extended Ford with an extended cab, dually, the eight foot bed. And then he's got like a, a 10 or a 12 foot camper that jumps into the back of his, it sets in the back of his truck. And then he wants to pull a trailer. So he's got this two or three foot extension that he needs to have his trailer hitch stick out past. So he brought me all this steel tubing and all these different parts from, from a trailer company and we welded them all together. So he has a receiver tube that goes into his receiver tube, but is now has another receiver tube at the end of 36 inches. And then we, and so because he was nervous, he put two receiver hitches on the car so that this tube has 
two sockets that go in. So it's two tubes that come all the way out because he was afraid of the, the strength of it. So it's like a fork that goes into the back of his truck. Anyway, that's a long story, but he hasn't driven it yet, but we welded it all up. He thinks it looks good. So in return, he says, what can I do for you? Because I didn't charge him. I said, well, he's a very skilled mechanic. I said, look at my Cadillac. It's leaking radiator fluid. So the other day he came and climbed all over the thing and he didn't run the car. He actually did an interesting thing because I couldn't find the leak, especially while the car was running because it was being thrown everywhere. I couldn't pinpoint it. And he just puts a little pump that clips onto the top of the radiator and you pump it up to 10 or 12 pounds of pressure, whatever the radiator is rated for. And then you could just see where the leak is coming from. It just starts leaking because that's the pressure that the engine would put on it. But the engine's not running. So it's safe to try and claw around it and look for it, which I thought was a great tip. And he found that it's leaking out of the water pump itself. So it's leaking out of the bearings. The, the water pump has, it's a 1957 Cadillac, 365, I think. It has a, a bearing where the rotational part of it connects to the fan. And there's a weep hole next to it. And he said that weep hole is to indicate when the bearing gives up. So the bearing is giving up and it weeps out of the hole just to let you know. So it's like, okay, that's the di- that's like, you know, the red LED from 1959 is that if it's leaking, it's leaking, but it's leaking from that specific spot, diagnosis, what could be wrong with it. So I uh, went online, went on eBay and bought another one, found one right away. Apparently this pretty popular product because there's a lot of them for, for sale, $250, but it's a crazy water pump. It's not like the ones you might see now where it just goes on the front. It's almost like the shape of a heart that goes right on the front of a new car. This from the 50s goes into the block in two spots above and two spots below. It's like a heart. It's like a heart with all like the aortas and the ventricles still stuck to it. It's crazy. And so he and I were looking at it and he goes, wow, he goes, we got to take that off. Oh, yeah, we got to take that off too. Oh, we got to take this off too. Oh, and that and that and that and that (laughs) and that uses that bolt. She has that bolt. So I have to take the entire front of the engine off to put this thing on because every – each one of the aorters, so to speak. So there's four aorters that go into the engine that are separated from the actual casting of the pump itself. That's their appendages. Each one of those bolt patterns use other brackets to bolt to the front of the motor. Oh, so yeah. I, I, I won't even remember how to put the damn thing back together. Hmm. But uh, anyway, so <clears throat> he said, I said, look, I'll make a deal with you because now it's a lot more work than what I did for him. I said, when we get the parts, we'll bring it inside. I said, I'll do all the breakdown and you you install it and then I'll put it back together. So, yeah, looking forward to that. It's going to be great. Mm. Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, David, what engines have you taken apart in the last couple of days? <laughs> Absolutely none. Um, <laughs> I, I should be taking the go-kart engine somewhat apart and changing oil and, and checking things. But it turns out I'm not going to be able to race this weekend because we're having the tr- the trees are finally coming down in the backyard. Oh, We're wow. going to put the new shop. So I can't make this race, so I'm not even going to work on the cart. But uh, I think since last fall, we've been talking to different companies trying to get these trees down and, and cost. And the costs have been all over the place. This was the, the lowest one at $6,000 and the highest one I forget what it was 15 or sixteen thousand dollars or something like that and they're in a really weird spot where like a crane would have to reach over a garage and pick them and pull them out and this guy who is i i, I don't know what you call it uh 
he works for a local county. <laughs> He's a triologist. He works for a local county doing this for the county, and he also does it on the side. He has a fully insured business that he does it on the weekends. And he's not using a crane. They're, like, climbing up into the tree and doing a section at a time and dropping it down. So that is step one of the new shop. So it is kind – I think we are, we've we decided to move forward with the new shop. I've been debating it for six, eight months. And I think the cost is just – it's going to be worth it. I've decided every gamble that I've taken so far has paid off. What's mm. what's one more big gamble? <laughs> what's one more? Sp- spoken like a true gambler. <laughs> yeah, all in. We're going all in. <laughs> Just slide the chips in. Yeah. What could go wrong? Yeah. It's always worked out. And no, the I think that's really cool. So what's the plan with the, the new shop? Like, I, r- remind me about... So, so there's, right now, there's a two-car garage that is my wood shop. And that door is sealed. The garage door is... The tracks have been clipped, and so you can't use that anymore. I want to turn that into the metal shop and the car garage, and then expand it the back. So the back end will be the new wood shop, and it will be almost the same size, maybe 10 foot longer, just slightly bigger. So make it longer. I'm gonna. I'm making it as long as I can. I'm going to the back of the property. Like I, okay. this is my one chance to make it bigger, and it, it can only be slightly bigger. So the funny thing is, I have a decent, I think, tool setup and workflow. So the new shop is going to look exactly like the old shop. Just it, moved over. It just moved over. I can't. Oh, that's put, cool. I can't put the metal shop in the car garage behind it because there's no way to get a car back there. So. Plus, my floors are. I mean, like, ramps. Like you could have a ramp that yeah, goes up over cool. your wood shop. Little, yeah, it goes up, and then a hydraulic drops in. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, totally worth it. Yeah, total like Colin Furs video right there. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited and nervous about all that. And the funny thing is, yeah. when it's all done, it'll look like it'll look exactly like the current shop. So it won't be this, uh, you know, Jimmy's fourth shop or April's new shop or any, anything like that. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, but you'll have a metal shop. I will that. have a metal shop. I'll have a place to put the Impala. Kelly can have her garage back. It will be awesome. Uh, yeah. So maybe I can finally get that that, that CNC plasma cutter. Mm. Maybe a milling machine. Mm. After mm. I pay off the new shop. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right there. So, Next thing. Spend all that money if you put there. it out there when you're ready, if you put it out there, you'll get those things. You get, I mean, you can certainly get some old machinery, mm-hmm. you know, close to close to free. You'll always find that one guy that's like, you know what, you should have it because it's you need it. And then someone <laughs> will just give you Grandpa's CNC machine. I see Grandpa, no, Grandpa's CNC machine. No, no, no. no yes. I meant to say Grandpa's <laughs> Bridgeport. It's I, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> it's yeah. only a matter of time. That's funny. I don't know what he used to do with it. He was on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know. You could have it. <laughs> Oh so, man, I never even thought about that. Yeah, that is so weird. Yeah, my kids are going to be like, yeah, yeah. You can have Grandpa's CNC machine, <laughs> razor cutter. I don't know. Now we just think of things and they disappear. I don't know. Yeah. The, well, imagine, imagine. It's so funny. He used to like go on the computer and like make stuff. <laughs> Silly dad. Silly grandpa. Now, now the the mind reader box just does everything for you. That's right. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's we had a couple estimates on on the shop 
last last fall, maybe over the winter, and the numbers were way more than I expected. I, you know, to me, building a box seems simple and straightforward, and we're just, and like you know, there's no plumbing, uh, and the, the prices were a little bit more than I expected. And I talked to a contractor friend, a, a, a guy that didn't want the job, but he says like those numbers are pretty good. I'd probably quote even hmm. higher. So I'm like. All right, I guess that's what it costs, and it, it the the outside and the siding and the roof would match the current house and garage, you know, so it j- would just look like an extension of the garage, and um, it's kind of funny that these. So I I don't want to get too behind the scenes, but I had these numbers for the new shop. I'm like, ah, can't afford that right now, and certain things happen where deals have been made, and all of a sudden. I have a deal, a couple deals that almost equal the cost of that new shop. Right. Like these deals That's appeared awesome. out of nowhere. And I'm like, it's so weird how the universe works sometimes. Like I yeah, wanted the shop cool, and then the universe is providing me well, a way to get the shop. If, if my, if my story is any example, it's really funny because I remember when I had to give Kyle $40,000 to start building this building, he said, well, like, this building, he charged me like 47 or 48,000 just to build the building. And the roof. And that was with his time and the materials to just build the shell. I'm going to make it clear. That was just the the two-by-eight structure, the shell, the foundations along the wall edge, not the – so that just included the building shell and the roof. That's it. It didn't include the windows, the doors, the floors, the insulation, and all that other stuff. So I remember that was all the money I had at the time. And I said, let me give it to you now. He's like, no, 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 give it to me when we're done. I was like, I don't want – I'd rather give it to you now. So – this way I won't spend it on anything else. I'll be able to still make my budget, monthly budget. And it's like, no, 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 just give me part of it. So I only gave him half and then I gave him the other half. But it's funny because <clears throat> I said, once I spend this, it's just going to be a, a carport. It's going to be a very expensive carport. <laughs> and then I remember that I, 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 that was done. So that was like October, November. Now it's December. And I get Dave over, uh, Dave, the Mexican carpenter, and his crew to look at the floor. He's like, yeah, we could do the floor. And now I'm thinking to myself, we'll do the floor in a year from now. He goes, we could probably have it done by like December 20th. I'm like, you mean like this December 20th or you mean in a year from now? He goes, no, no, December 20th, like in a couple of weeks. I had no money at all. (laughs) It's like, Mm. oh, okay, um, how much is it going to be? And he came back, and because it has radiant heat in it, and it's giant and it's thick, it was thirty five thousand dollars. And I just said, I, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for that. Hmm. I, I mean, I could always dip into my secret credit card stash, which I didn't. But I, uh, I said, I go as long if I could pay it off in increments. He's like, yeah, no problem. And the universe knew I needed the money, and I started making the money. And you know, various commercial jobs and various things started coming in, and I paid it off actually by the end of January. So the idea of forcing yourself into these opportunities and, you know, putting all the chips in the pot and being like, all right, well, worst case scenario, I'm broke and I have a cool spot with a muddy floor. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, the worst case scenario is I have a cool carport and a perfectly flat cement floor. Yeah, I was like, okay, the worst case carport. scenario is I have a carport with a cement floor and no doors but just windows. Okay, worst case scenario is, you know, Eventually, the siding will get painted. You know, so I just kept thinking to myself of like, if this is how it stays, at least it's better than what I had. Yeah. But, you know, as I inched my way through it all, it is all paid off. 
Same with the barn. I'm like inching my way through it. And it's right. If it stops right now, it's paid off. I'm not like, I don't have like half of a barn and a hundred thousand dollars in debt. I have half of a barn that has a roof on it. I could still work underneath it, but it's, it's not going to happen. I'm just slowly taking that formula and just inching my way through each time doing a little bit more, a little bit more. To be a realist, I do have to counter a little bit of what both of you are saying in, uh, as someone who has full-time employees, my choices in regards to things like that, those big mm-hmm. investments, I feel a different – and I have had employees before. This is not the first time I've owned no. a business where I've had people who I was responsible for paying. But you have a pretty different um, mm-hmm. for sure. you know, set of, of choices about like the risks that you take when you know that if no I run out either. of money – yeah, well, yeah, kids too. Um, yeah. But just from a business perspective, like I can do things to move the business forward in big leaps and bounds, but it puts the my ability to pay their salaries consistently at risk oh, if I 100%. use all of the money that I've saved, you know, toward because there's several things like that that I would love to to do. Yeah, I would love to take a risk and invest a whole bunch of money in a certain tool or a certain other things that we're working on. And I have to be pretty calculated about those things. Uh, saying that, we did buy a building, and that was a big risk. Yeah. Well, you know, I, anytime you, I believe anytime you buy real estate, you're even as risky and as, as tough as it is, if you wait a year or two years, you can immediately sell it for a profit. I mean, if you yeah. want to do all the, the, the red tape and all that stuff that goes to with To me, it, it didn't feel like, yeah, real estate doesn't feel like so much of a risk as an mm-hmm. investment, you know. Uh, and that, and that, that's precisely why I'm like... Like I could take a home equity loan out of my house now for a huge amount. I wouldn't, and I don't need to. But the point I'm making is, is like I've invested more and more and more in this property, and you know I paid probably about two hundred thousand for this house seventeen, eighteen years ago, seventeen years ago, and it's got to be worth considerably more than that now. I just yeah. based on what I know, my neighbor's houses are going for. There's based a property touching mine that's selling for two million dollars. There's a property that touches wow. the back of my property. Mm. And I don't think I'm, my house is worth that much, but it's just amazing that that person's asking for that in Greene County, New York, where somebody sent me a house, a friend of mine who's looking to buy a house up here, he sent me a, a listing for $350,000, like two acres and like a trailer house. Hmm. I go, this is cool. I go, if you bought this house in 2019, it would have been $70,000. <laughs> just unbelievable. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. that's just the cycle. It'll come back down. So, David, back to your shop. Um you said it was going to be the same, but I mean, this is an opportunity for you to, you know, if there are small things that you want to add or change, I mean, do you have any plans yeah, for stuff like that? For you- sure. So right now my ceilings are eight foot, one inches tall in the current shop. And <laughs> I know it's eight foot, one inches because when I move a sheet of eight foot plywood, I'm constantly bumping the ceiling. So even though it, it might not match the current shop, the ceilings are going to be higher. Whatever whatever they have to do to make the ceilings at least one foot higher, uh, that's something I want to do. And the behind my bench where I have the sliding doors, that's where all my storage is. That storage is going to be bigger so I can get bigger sheets of plywood in there. Right now, I can't, I can't get a um, – like even a plywood sheet cut in half, which would be – 24 inches would that it wouldn't fit sideways in there and so that's going to be bigger so i'm going to work on storage a little bit more and a a place to put wood and um i just 
I've got decent shop furniture, but it's everything was kind of built like one thing at a time, and then things change over time, and just redoing that. And I got drawers full of crap. I need. I want to. I want to clean up. I want to eliminate a lot of the things that I don't need anymore and just have what I need. And I think it's going to be a good opportunity for me to just evaluate what I have and, and what I need. The, I'm going to talk to whoever's going to do it. If we widen it a couple more feet as well, it would just make things like I, I can't go. I don't want to go. I want to go longer, but I also, if I can get two three more feet wider it would make getting camera tripods around a little bit easier so and then i gotta see what the what the limits are to the city i think the city right now says you can have two detached buildings but i don't know what the size of those like this would i think it would still be considered one detached building but i don't know what the max size is of that and if i cannot get the city involved i would like to not get the city involved Never. Never <laughs> right? Um, it's a just just things like that. Like I have uh, – and it's possible, you know, maybe the maybe the laser and the CNC actually go into the metal shop and actually opens up more room for the wood I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's exciting. Just – it's funny how just a little bit more space would make – would change things dramatically. Like it's I it's re it's possible, but it's really really hard to cut a full sheet of plywood on my table saw. I have to kind of move things around, and it's a, and then it's a pain in the butt. And then camera tripods are big and wide, so it kind of gets caught in things. Just a couple more feet would be um absolutely amazing. It would be like a game changer. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Are you? Will you have to dry, like take uh plywood and stuff through the garage to get to it? Or are you going to have an outside? exit or like entrance you know to bring material yeah so uh, what we will do is the so there'll be a big garage door that'll work on the front garage and then to the other garage is we're going to put in i think it's called a hospital door so it's just like a regular door but it's really wide and that's just going to be easier to get things in and out and then there will be one more door to the outside just in case you know there's a fire or whatever and there's a a safe way to to get out of the shop cool that's exciting man yeah as far as tools i really in the woodworking stuff i have what i want i like all the tools that i have i got a good i got a good system excellent speaking of tools i bought a stud welder not not a stud welder i already had a spot welder spot welder yesterday yeah they're fun a couple days ago and uh, i haven't gotten to test it yet but the reason i bought it is because for the carmen Kia. On the driver's side, I am at the point where I am ready to start putting things back. Mm. And it is really, really exciting. I don't know if I sent you guys a picture of this. Yes, David. I'm not exactly sure what a spot welder is. So it is like a little uh, pinchy welder thing that has these two pinchy things. And you pinch them around two pieces of metal and it welds a spot in between them, like where they're contacting. So in the case of the Gia, I'll be using that along the bottom flange. We're putting the body panels back on um, to attach the the kind of bottom flange on the underneath the car, rather than just trying to weld. It's you know it's two two flanges stuck together. So rather than welding them along the bottom where they touch, you just spot weld them together along the path. 
don't know if I'm explaining that well. But like, if you could take two business cards and pinch them tightly with your fingers, like if your mind can go, and then the paper becomes one piece right between your fingers. That's what a spot welder does for metal. Yeah. So I got this thing to try because the I've, I've been spending some time out there working on the gear, and I've got the rocker panel, and then the the two panels next to I don't know what you call these. I'm sure there are correct names for like this piece and that piece or whatever. But if you're looking at the door, the driver's side door, it is the piece in front, behind, and underneath the door. All three of those are cut and fit and clamped and ready to be welded on and adhesived on. And it's going to be a combination of like panel adhesive, spot welding on the bottom, uh, MIG welding across the panels to actually join them and flatten them and all that stuff. So I'm like really, really close. And yesterday we were going to start, like I've got them. If you go out there and you look, it looks like a car. It looks really cool. <laughs> and we were going to go start. And then I remembered that I needed to, if I'm going to do we'll that spot welding, <laughs> I remembered that I needed to go do something else. Now, <laughs> if I was going to do that spot welding, there's paint on those panels and I have to take the paint off. So it's bare metal to bare metal, but then I don't want to like close up things that are bare metal and so I was going to spray them with weldable primer, and then I ran out. And so, and I had ordered it several days ago, but it's not here yet. So the, the reason I'm saying all this is because I was, like, excited. I had everything lined up. The pieces are ready, and I'm waiting on a can of primer to get here before I can move <laughs> ahead. And it's very, very frustrating. And just so you know, you cannot find weldable primer at most places. This is not a thing that is very common. <clears throat> you can order it from several places, but I called all the welding supply places. I never, I never heard of it before. I didn't realize you could So do it. it's a, it's a zinc. Uh, there's a couple different brands that market it as weldable primer. A lot of other places, it's just a, a zinc primer or a zinc coating that you can weld through. There's one called zinc it, which is a zinc coating. Um, but this stuff that I use is by, I think it's SEM is the company. <clears throat> and it's a, a zinc gray primer, so it goes on like a, a gray paint. Um, but it will weld really well through it. And so there, I would take these two flanges, sand off the paint, add that primer, and then close them up so that that gap, that little section that you will never, ever see again, will be primed at least on the inside. You know, Because this is like... This is the part of that car that always rusts at the very bottom, underneath the rocker panel. It always rusts. So for me to take a shortcut and just not put primer in there is just, you know, I'm just bringing that rust closer than it will eventually get there anyway. So anyway, point being, I was all excited to actually finally do this work yesterday. And then I'm just, I just got to wait on some paint to show up, a little can for me to spray one little strip. And then I can move ahead. Um, and, you know, I haven't tested out this this uh, welder yet either. I just got it in the mail. But it is really, really heavy. Um, so it, it's, it's like a block. It looks like a lunchbox with two little fork things sticking out of the front of it. But it has this, I guess, a heat sink or the transformer or something in it that is really, really heavy. And the prongs stick out of the front of it. And it has a handle on the top. So you're supposed to walk up to the thing that you're going to weld, clamp in front of you, and then it welds them together. But I have to get underneath the car, facing up, 
and weld. And I'm not really sure how I'm going to do that yet. And I have to do a whole bunch of these. And so I may end up having to make some sort of little stand or something to set it on, you know? It, we do some test sample spots, mm-hmm. spot welds with that. Because I did it, the last time I used it was just before the pandemic. We I made a, a stool, the Shaquille O'Neal stool. And I used the the pinch welder or the spot welder for that. And I found a couple times I thought I was done. And then I was moving around and then I went to move it and went just went bink and undo, undid itself. Mm. So you got to, especially this particular sheet metal you have, because I was using, I think, uh, 16 gauge. So it was pretty thick. If you're going to be using like 18 gauge, which is a little thinner, test do a couple test spots. And if you go too far, you'll like melt the hole. And if you don't go enough, you'll, you'll have like a false feeling that it's connected and then it'll pop right off later on when you mm. put some stress on it. So you just got to do a couple tests so you know how it's working with that particular metal. If you have some yeah. scrap cutouts and then really try and prime apart, you know, do like a test, say like, okay, count to 10 or count to eight, count to six, and then try and prime apart with a screwdriver to see which one is going to be the one that gives you the, the connection that works. Interesting. Yeah. There's, there's multiple flanges here uh, in this area that I'm doing. There's the heater channel, which is in place. That's the, the thing that I've welded in. And then I'm adding a rocker panel in front of that. And then, so that's two pieces that have to be welded together. And then there are body panels that overlap the ends of the rocker panel. And so there's a couple of places where there's three layers there that have to be welded together. And I mm-hmm. assume that if I weld the first two, then I just weld the second one on top of that. It, it will work out fine. But that's that's the kind of testing I, I still need. Yeah, to you got to try that test too as well. Because one of the prongs will be trying to penetrate through two layers of steel while the other one's going through one. And it might actually melt and end up in the middle. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Because it's sending yeah. the same amount of electrical through through both of those tips. Yeah. And then you, the other thing too is you're going to find you're going to you're going to need to like. Sometimes they sell the bigger prongs that the longer will go ones. around a flange, so you, you know the touch and space without any encumbrance, like a bigger flange in the way or whatever. Luckily, I think all of the flanges that I'm going to have to use for the spot welder use the spot welder on are on the bottom. Easily accessible. Yeah, I think they're easily accessible. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, there's going to be a lot in, in this next step to, you know, that's a whole new tool using the panel adhesive to glue some of the panels together. That's a whole new thing, which I don't think is difficult, but it's something I've never had to mess with. And then there's the actual butt welding sheet metal, you know, and trying to get that seamless, which is a whole, like, it's a whole art by itself. It's a, a mm. thing that people do their entire careers is just this one little butt welding sheet metal, you know, well, and I have a bunch of it to do, but it's one of those things that most of the things on the car I'm realizing are never going to be seen. Most of the welds, most of the things that I'm fixing, I'm doing my best to do them well. But once they're covered up, they're covered up. Once there's a wheel in front of them, you're never going to see them. Once it's underneath, you know, the, the chassis and the body are stuck together, you're never going to see it. But this is like when you walk up to the car, this is the thing you're going to see. And if I mess it up, I'm going to see it every single time I walk hmm. up to the car for the rest of my life. So, well, th- th- there's, there's also a piece in knowing that you're not going to paint it till it looks right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or, you know, until till you think it looks right. Ask a few people before you paint it. Does this look right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, I I'm definitely taking my time on this thing, so you know, I'm not I'm not in a hurry to rush through it, and I'm not willing to to move ahead if it's not right. It's just going to take longer, but. But I am excited about the the fact that I'm at a point where things are beginning to go back on. Yeah. And I'm about to start building something up. And that there's still a lot more of that to do, of course. But I'm I'm excited about getting this one little section. You can see you know, progress done. instead of whatever yeah. the opposite of progress is. Yeah. And it, I know we talked at one point about the, whether the door is going to fit back in or not. And where these pieces are going... I mean, if I do them wrong, the door will not fit back in <laughs> because this is the opening for where the door goes. And so it's I was like thinking about what you said the other day, Jimmy, about the, you know, trimming the door or whatever. And I was I was out there fitting all these pieces and I'm like kind of stressing about like getting it right. And like, how do I know if I get it right? And basically you can't know if you get it right until you put the door in. And so I stood back and I was like, well, I'm going to do my best on the body but I don't know if it'll be right or not. So let me look at the door and figure out if I had to modify the door of a car to go in a different hole, (laughs) how do I do that? Like, what is that actually going to take? And so I took the door and laid it on a table and started looking at the, like where the seams are and where the different shapes are. Like, what if I had to make it shorter? How would I do that? Well, I would take the bottom and I'd be able to cut it here and move it up just a hair and then weld it back in. I mean, it would not be fun. (laughs) It would look bad, but it is possible you know, what if I had to take this curve a little bit further in? How would I do that and not ruin the integrity of the door skin? So I started going through all of the, well, if I had to, I could do this. And if I had to, I could do this. Uh, Bob, and then, I think Bob's trolling the car guys right now. Because right now all the car guys are screaming at their podcast. I'm not saying I want to do this thing. And, and <laughs> the car people are probably, yes, yeah, saying that's the wrong approach. But I, I'm going into this not knowing what I don't know and not knowing, you know, how another person would do that. And I know everybody in the machining video, I was getting yelled at. Why didn't you just Google it? Why don't you just look at the manual? Why don't you, I, I, whatever you, you look up your <laughs> reference, however you want it, but I'm, I'll give you my suggestion. Is well, hang, the, I know the you, thing is, the thing is I decided a long time ago that I'm not going to spend my life just looking up how to do things. Hmm. I'm going to try things, and if they don't work, then I will look up how to do things. And that's not me being stubborn. That's because I want to explore it. I want to try it. I want to fail mm-hmm. at it, and then I want to look and see, like, oh, okay, I can mark that off the list. Now let's see what other people did. And so I'm not being stubborn in not looking up and not going to a body shop and not asking, you know. I just want to try to figure it out for myself because that's just my personality. What were you going to say? I was going to say, once you're now that you're up on the, uh, you're up on the, the stand, you're in the air. I would, this is what I would do, I would support the car with two by fours to the ground, cut out the framework inside the door that you have now, mm-hmm. support the whole car with two by fours to the ground, cut out that X that's in the doorway, install the door, and make sure everything fits to the door before you weld anything. The problem and always with that. Use your, I was going to say, always use your door as your guide for the rest of the whole jam. Right. Make sure your seams are right. Because you're going to put the whole car together and you're going to put the door on and you're going to have like an eighth of an inch seam at the top and a half inch seam at the bottom and that's going to drive you bananas. Yeah. I mean, there's ways of fixing that cosmetically like I showed when I did my car. But you don't want any drastic things. You don't want to be, you don't want like the metal on the door hitting the door jam because the right. top is folded closer together. 
So the point of making this is always have your door loosely, even if it's just hand bolted in place, at least, you know, so there's no movement. You don't want it to be drooping and always use your door as your guide. And then once all that's secured, then take the door off. You know, once you know everything's like at least tack well, get rid of the door then. Your door jam now is the same shape as the as it should be. And then once you start putting all that metal back in, you should start to build up the framework. Or, you know, once you know, then weld that other stuff back in. Yeah. I think that would have been the way to start. But mm-hmm. because I I took the doors off, put it on the rotisserie, and then, you know, I don't know how much this made it into the previous video when I was talking about it. But when I was when I was lifting the rotisserie, there was a point where it was putting pressure in in unequal ways between the front and the back. And so, and it was not supported well in the center. And so something happened along the way that made it not how it should have been. And so I released all that pressure. I've now got it like suspended from the the roof with like a, a two by eight through where the windows are. So it's like hanging there. And basically, it won't go back to its regular shape while it's on the rotisserie. Once it sits down on the body, that pressure is going to be able to release. But the way that it's forked from both ends, it it's, it's not real. And so I can't really measure it until I put the whole thing back down and let gravity do its job. And so I could put the door in now, but I don't think the opening is a true opening yet. And so that's where I'm like, well, I just don't know. I don't know whether it's going to fit until it's off the rotisserie. It's sitting on the chassis and gravity is letting everything down. And then I have to truly fit the door. So yes, I agree. That would have been the play. I should have left the doors on to begin with the whole time. And, no, what I'm saying, know, like you could put them back on now and then well, get but that Well, n- I don't think if I put them on now, I'm putting them into a shape that is going to change when I take it off the rotisserie. So the shape mm. now is not true. And that's that's mm. a, that's a fault. I mean, I understand that that was a mistake yeah. I made before, but that's where it is now. So yeah. I don't know. So anyway, my point of all that it was that I, I started looking at the door. And in you know, a worst case scenario, if I have to modify the door, is it like, can I do that? Do is, I don't know. Sure. And looking at it, I mean, I, I think I probably could. I don't want to. I hope I don't have to. But yeah, Technically, you shouldn't because then you have your everything else. Let's say, for instance, you really have to change it. Then you, you're changing the lineup for your locks. You're changing the lineup for your 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 roll-up window. You, you, yeah. Well, I mean, it probably won't be. I think you have to move off, like an eighth so. of an inch. You could just bang the metal in. You know, it all depends yeah. on what. The, I, I think if I do have to make any changes, it will be like just taking the bottom very surface slight. and just up a little bit to clear stuff. But I mean, it's just hard to measure because there's not a straight line on the entire car <laughs> for one, but also, you know, you're measuring in three dimensions. And so trying to figure out like, how do I even know if the opening is correct? What am I measuring between and how do I translate that to a measurement on the door and stuff like that? So I'm going to have to roll with it as I go. Uh, so. my, my my advice to you, my heart, my my tough love advice to you is to see if you can get that flex out of the body right now, so that you you're not waiting to see where it's going to go. You should yeah. do the best you can, and the only way to really know if the flex is in or out is to try and install the doors back on. And like with the strength of the two by eight you have through the roof and supporting it underneath with sticks all around, and then once you secure, once you know both doors fit on it well, open and close right correctly. 
you know, there's nothing underneath the door, but at least the top line, the belt line, you know, along the window edge looks good and the gap looks good. And then you could adjust this two by four a little bit, put a shim under that one, that one. Once it looks good on both sides, then take the doors off and don't do anything to move the body until all that other metal is welded back in. Because if it flexes after you put all that metal back in, once you settle it back on the body, it'll be the right size that you put it all in correctly for. So, you know but if you, yeah. So if you if you prop up the underneath the door and then you shim it and stuff, are you creating a false? Uh, I don't no, know. No, well, like, the it, point I'm making is it. if if the doors are in place, if let's say you shim it and you get it all secured in space in the air, yeah. and the doors both look good on both sides, you cut out those X frames and the doors look good on both sides, and you look down at the car and it looks normal and it feels normal then it will be normal. Once you put it down on the frame, you shim it on the, you know, you shim it on the, the rolling chassis so that it looks good. So what I'm saying is like, mm. if you know there's a, a flex in it right now and you're going to do body work on it, you're either going to hold that flex in place forever or it's just going to make other stuff down the road more complicated, i.e. installing the doors. Yeah. yeah. So if you know there's a flex in it that's going to go away later, get rid of it now. And the only way you're going to know is by putting the doors back in. But like I said, before you put the doors in, you got to cut the X's out. And to cut the X's out, you got to support the whole car with 100 2x4s or maybe five 2x4s, whatever that mm. is, just to make sure. I, I'm just going on the last yeah. couple of pictures I saw of it. Sure. So what I'm saying is, is you really should work on the car with no flex in it at all and yeah. not worry about it later. You should deal with it now just so you can and mitigate the problem. So not to pick on you, but it seems like you're like, I'll worry about that when it's a problem later. So what I'm saying is, is the trouble you're willing to, to gamble for later changing the shape of the doors, you should just cash in all now and straighten the body out. So you don't have to, so you know, you don't have to do that. So yes, I agree with you. One of the problems with it is that structurally I had to take out underneath the doors, that heater channel that, that is the thing that holds, you know, that together. Yeah. And once that was out, there was no way to really measure (laughs) <laughs> where it was supposed to go back in. And so I measured the crap out of it based on the chassis. And so it should be in the right place. And if it is in the right place, then by adding this, the rocker panels, I will have reinforced the center bottom of the car. And so mm-hmm. my, here's my thinking. This is where I'm headed with. Put that on first and then do other stuff. Exactly. So the yeah. problem is that it's on the rotisserie. That's that's the big issue. And once I can get these rocker panels on, it will have a base that I can set it on a cart yeah. on the middle of the car. Right, and right. So, so you get rid of that. Then then, yeah. then you worry about it. Then you can make adjustments later by like either shortening or lengthening the rocker panel somehow. Yeah, I think so. And so my plan is to get this one little section done and then take it off the rotisserie and, and prime the bottom of it and then put it on a cart, take it off the rotisserie and take that variable out of the equation moving ahead. I think that could make sense, yeah. I mean, I know it's it's not ideal, but as soon as I cut stuff out, it wasn't ideal. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, I made the mistake, and, like, I know that, but it's already past that point. So I'm trying to figure out how to move ahead without – it's a weird balance, and maybe this is just my personality, or maybe this is, this is how car work goes. It's a balance between overthinking and being afraid to just – weld some stuff in place that can be unwelded or cut or replaced or whatever. It's a balance between b- being too worried to do anything and being impulsive and doing something 
that you're going to have to change later. You know what I mean? I'm trying to find those places. Here's, where here's another idea for you. So while you're welding in the bottom on the heater channels, you could maybe make a mimic of the bottom of the door. So you know mm-hmm. the entire length, width. You know, you know the width and the curves. Yeah. So if you make a like a CNC mimic of the bottom ten inches of the door, you could hold that up and see to make sure that your door jams are the right width apart. But, you know, so you're never actually really bolting it in. You're just using it as a guide. And you know, if you made it out of metal, you could use a magnet to keep it magnetized from one part of the car to the other part of the car. Hmm. Just a thought. Yeah. Or even at the very at the very least, whatever the extreme width of the, the door is from one edge to the other edge, front to back, say it's 30 inches. Get a piece of metal that's 30 inches, add an eighth of an inch on either side for the door gap, put it in your door jam, magnetize it in place, and then that... Yeah. You've already kind of done that, but just to right. make sure. Yeah. You've already done it with the X's anyway. But. Yeah. And, you know, I'm measuring as I go to make sure that mm-hmm. the widest part of the door is still the widest part of the door, and it is... Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so this all could be me projecting just fear. <laughs> you know, it may right. be perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's that's where I'm at. That's what I'm trying to do with the car, and it's it's an exciting thing to be able to move ahead. Hopefully, but we'll see. You got to put the the Land Rover engine in the in the the Kia. That's really the Land Cruiser in the in, yeah. It would take Make up the Franken, entire Franken Franken Kia. <laughs> What did you say, David? I said, when do we get to talk about performance and all the, you know, the massive engine we're going to put in there and the tuning, <laughs> and the big old brakes? Yeah, maybe someday. Suspension. I still would love to make this thing electric. That would be cool. And I, I don't know. Have we talked about that on here? Before? I think briefly, because I, it's come up. I, I thought briefly about making the Impala electric, which would just yeah. blow people's minds. It would get you kicked. It off would the get internet, me kicked off the internet. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to do it, and I've looked at it. It's just ridiculously expensive, and of course, everybody on you know in the YouTube comments is like, "Oh, you got to make this electric, make it electric, whatever." And I agree, it would be really cool, but I don't know if it's like twenty eight thousand dollars cool. Like it's so expensive. Mm. The batteries are the problem, but so. If I can find some some cool, you know, company that wants to just like sponsor some batteries or something, maybe. But luckily, I've got a long way to go before I get to that point. And it's something that you know the electric conversion could happen even after the car was completely put together and stuff. It's not it's not unheard yeah, of. Yeah, and get but. cheaper and be more common down the road. Yeah, yeah, theoretically. Um. Well, we. We blew 50 minutes. We had a topic. We even had a topic. What? We didn't get to it. Somebody write this down for next week. Do we want to go Whoa. through the topic or we want to save it? Let's do five minutes on the topic. Five minutes on the topic. All right. Five what was, minutes. What was the topic, Jimmy? So the topic was recently I had a few conversations with friends and fans that are, it seems, and we've brushed on this in various ways, but just to highlight it as an idea, it seems a lot of people are waiting for that strike of lightning to do something. They don't just begin to do something. So I speak to a lot of friends and they're like, yeah, I'm going to do something, but you know, I just haven't had any, I haven't gotten the idea yet. And I'm like, well, if it's going to be, for instance, a bookshelf and you just don't have that strike of what it is, I always advise people to, now let's just say maybe it's just a random content video not necessarily something you need to actually, you need something for if you need to make a content video and you're waiting for the most original thing to come along, 
my advice is to just look around and come up with something, anything, and just start making that. While you're making that, start thinking of the most important groundbreaking lightning strike idea. And then you have a better chance of it coming to you while you're working on something than if you're just sitting, scrolling, thinking, which one of these pictures is going to inspire me? My point is, is you're only going to really come up with that. You get all that input constantly in this day and age. You're getting all that input, especially if you're interested in cars or if you're interested in go-karts. You're getting that input. It's when you're physically doing something is when your brain's like, hey, remember that picture you saw? Mm -hmm. That picture would be good right here in this application. But you're not conscious of that. That has to happen while you're physically doing stuff. So the point of making again and again and again is like, do stuff with all that input, but while you're physically doing the stuff, that's when you're going to have the breakthroughs. And that's what you're looking for is the breakthroughs. So many people have the breakthroughs. <clears throat> I believe you have the breakthroughs while you're tinkering. So many people think they're just waiting for the breakthrough to happen. And you're not going to get the breakthrough if you're not tinkering. And tinkering could be starting a, a half-baked project, which you don't really believe in. But you won't get the breakthroughs just by sitting and scrolling or sitting and eating lunch. I mean, it will happen, but it won't happen as often if you're not I find, and I think there's an actual term for this, but I don't know what it is. I, I find the breakthroughs come when I get to a, if I just get started and I get to a point where I'm stuck, the breakthrough comes the next, that night while trying to go into bed or, or just later while I'm not thinking about the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's it. You prime yeah. yourself, and that's that's, and you got to prime yourself by tinkering. And a lot of people just wait and wait and wait. They're like, "Yeah, I'm going to start a YouTube channel when I come up with a good idea." I'm like, "Then it's never going to happen." The conditions will never be right. Yeah, you got to set the you got to set the conditions by starting to do something. And you know, a lot of people, even let's say if it's filmmaking, they go. Oh, I'm waiting for the perfect idea or I'm waiting for, you know, you gotta, you gotta just start, you gotta start doing something. And that whole thing might be a throwaway, but it's going to be the lead to the, you gotta jumpstart. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta jumpstart the creativity. You can't just wait for it to hit you. I, I kind of run into this and I, I know we've talked about this before, but there are s certain things that I would like to make just because I, I need them. But I, hesitate to do it because I don't feel like there's anything really unique in in the thing. And I think what you're saying there is I should just start making like I, I need a I want a new bedside table. I don't need one. I made one a long time ago in a video, but I want one that has a drawer in it. But that's like a simple a bedside table with a drawer. Like there's nothing mm -hmm. really groundbreaking about that. But if I were to start making that then there may be something along the way where I'm I'm finding that oh I I could add a secret thing here or I'd use a material for the drawer front that I've never used or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. But if I sit around and I just think about, well, I guess I'm not going to do that thing because it's not unique, then I'm not creating an opportunity to find something unique in it. Mm -hmm. You know, and about the uniqueness, I mean, I think it's a thing that anybody who creates for a living struggles with all the time. But sometimes I want to see my favorite creator just make that thing. Like, 
I'm your favorite. You creator? are my favorite creator. So you know, like, <laughs> like I, I would, I just want to see how Adam Savage would make a bedside table, even if it's a bedside table that's been made a thousand times before. There's nothing unique about it. I want to see his approach. I want to hear his words. It's like a cover song. You want to it's, hear a cover song yeah. from a certain yeah. band? Yeah. Hmm. Cover build. That's that's an interesting idea. If you will. But it, it does feel when I when I put out a video and I make a thing that doesn't it's not my design or I didn't come up with anything unique. There's there's a little bit of emptiness there. You're like, Ugh, this doesn't. Yeah. Th- I I could have done better. But it's it's just one one moment in time. It's one week in our in our long journey. It's another brick it's another in the wall. Brick in the wall. It's another Pink Floyd. <laughs> just another Pink Floyd. Yeah, I mean, I think I have a couple things like that that I've been kind of pushing off because, you know, I mean, like our, our job is to look at what's going to get people to watch something. And so if you go into a video, go into the process of creating something with that feeling of, well, I mean, it's probably not that interesting enough for people to watch it, then it, it, it makes it hard to justify the yeah. time to do it or to yeah. just, you know. And so I think there's, with just the way viewing habits are now, I think everybody has to work a little bit harder to get in front of people than we used to. And so it's becoming harder and harder for me to justify just a simple little thing that doesn't have like a standout feature. It doesn't have a special this or a the whatever, hook. whatever. You Gotta know. have the hook. Yeah. You, like we always, you know, what's, add a hook, what's you know? funny. I, I committed to, to promoting these router bits a little bit. So I had to do two or three videos with the router bit com- promotion and, and I looked around the other day and I was like, okay, what am I going to do with a router bit? And I had just had this conversation with my brother in California. He needed to cut a perfectly round table. I said, use a router. He's like, well, I don't really have one. My brother's, my brother's, he calls himself the Fred Flintstone of, of the maker movement because he just needs a hammer and a screw gun and a chop saw. And that's it. Everything else is just complicated for him. So I said, you could cut it with a router. And he's like, ah, I don't know. Can I just use a band? So I'm like, yeah, if you, cause it was a big circle. I said, as long as you can support it, maybe two people, you can do it. And that's what he ultimately did. But I was like, let me demo. I know I've did it in the past, but let me demo a quickie on how to make a perfect circle with a router. And I made those simple tables, recycled from the deck boards from the last summer. And the video was my top 10 video out of the last 10, which was, hmm. I mean, at least it was for the first day. I couldn't believe that. I thought it would tank. Yeah. And so many people complimented me. They loved the idea that I recycled and they loved the simplicity of them. And so many people mentioned to me, like, I got to get a welder because I just welded up simple three little legs for the bottom. But there's a a total project like we just discussed. And I was just going for just efficiency and style. And I kept everything mostly on the table saw just to show somebody, the table saw and the router, that you could, anybody could do this. I was about to throw the pieces through the planer. And then I was like, I could just skim coat them with the circular saw blade. I don't have to plane off the paint. I see a lot of jigs for big circles, like cutting a perfect circle on the bandsaw, cutting a perfect circle with the router, even with a a table saw. And the bigger the circle is, the less perfect it has to be in my mind. Like I can just draw a circle and cut it out with a jigsaw and nobody is going to know that it is not a perfect circle. Right. I I, I think a lot of, yeah, just stay on the line. line. Yeah. That's my, yeah. Hmm. 
yeah. Right. So point. the point the point of my uh, bringing up the this week's video is that I didn't expect it to do anything, but you know sometimes simple is more relatable in general. If you know if if it's views we're going for, yeah. If it's if it's YouTube content we're going for, but in general, if you want to build something for your house, or your home, and you're looking for that most incredible groundbreaking idea, I think just start building something. And then in the process, you know, you could build it perfectly traditional and just say, okay, now that I built it perfectly traditional, what is that one little left turn I could add to it to make it a little bit more sexy or more interesting? What is the style thing I can apply to it that's going to make it stand out or make it personal for, for us, you know, in my house? Yeah, that's a good point. That's something I need to to get past for sure because I do have a couple of things like that. Where, you know, there could be a color treatment. You know, it could it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to even be anything outside of. You know, when we all see an interesting object that's painted a completely unexpected color, you always say, "Oh, wow, that's cool!" Like remember about ten years ago, beautiful French style furniture was all painted one solid color. Like somebody just drove away on my cart, but. Like, uh, you know, like Louis the Fourteenth furniture, but like looked like it was molded in black plastic, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. That was a design aesthetic that suddenly like everyone's like, oh, wow, it doesn't have to be gold or like a ornate mirror painted bright red, you know, where you would expect to see it in gold. You know, that was a, an application invention that somebody somewhere along the way, some stylist came up with. Yeah. You know, this probably sounds like more of like a window dressing uh, invention or well but it's a simple application to something that was traditional that made it new made it fresh yeah yeah that's a good point all right well so tinker tinker the job you gotta you gotta you gotta work for the breakthroughs you can't just expect them to hit you like Mm. a car you gotta work for the breakthroughs that's good it's just like avoiding getting hit by a car you're avoiding the breakthroughs by not working (laughs) what (laughs) there you go (laughs) anyway (laughs) Just mic drop. <laughs> uh, Perfect. Well, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters. You guys can find something to recommend, which I do not have anything this week. Uh, I'll find something. Big thanks to everybody over on Patreon. That supports this show. We are very grateful for everybody over there. Um, all different levels. But our top supporters are Full Steam Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Rich at Low Designs, Blondie Hacks, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, You Can Make This Too, Chad from Minecrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, and Corey Ward. Uh, but there's other people over there, like Gordon Crago. What's up, Gordon? Other people that support us, and yeah, they all get the after show, which we're going to record right after this, and it's uh, another 15, 20 minutes of just jabber and secret stuff and whatever. So we're going to do that after this, and if you want to get that after show, go to Patreon.com/slash/MakingIt. And help us out. That'd be super cool. And if you don't want to do that, you could go leave us a review. Really glowing, super nice, awesome. They're the three most handsome men in podcasting kind of Mm. review. Or you could Mm. share the show. Give it. Tell somebody else that you think might like Mm it. Let them know. That'd be cool. Or you can just sit in silence and enjoy it. That's fine as well we're just glad whatever you do please don't go back and re-listen to all the old episodes have you heard of these people who do this (laughs) yes yes there are people who who drive a lot who have told me that they have listened to the entire this is 359 they have listened to the entire length of the show 
several times. I, I'm joking. I, which I, that's I don't amazing understand. to me. It, it, it is, is amazing, amazing, but we're not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since there's no real structure to the show. You're not like, oh, I want to learn about a thing. I'm going to go listen to the making a yeah. podcast. So I, yeah. it's it's very appreciated. I, I love it. The thing that we hear from people like that is that they feel like they're just hanging out with us. Yeah. And I think that is super yeah. cool. That it's just... Because mm. that, I mean, that, that's what, that's what we're doing. doing. We're just like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad people feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have something new to recommend? I do. Jimmy, I do, just I do. Get, he's waving his hand around. He's excited. What you got? Uh, well, did you guys see... This is what made me say... Just go eat ice cream. Did you guys see Laura's video where she finds out the sill plate of her house could potentially be damaged from no. moisture damage? And uh, so at the, end, at the end of the video, she just goes, well, right now I'm just going to go have some ice cream. <laughs> and then the, the video ends with her having ice cream with Smudo, which I thought was so cute. And very funny because you really have to – it was a great touch because sometimes when you get a gut punch and you just go, all right, well, you know, that didn't feel good, but – it's not the end of the world. The house is still there. You know, the, I remember having a few of those gut punches when I was down in my basement after I bought my house. And I'm looking around in the basement. I own the house now for like a year. And I like never really took a close, close look at the basement. You know, past all the inspections and whatever. And I was like looking and I was like, oh, interesting. Is that a wormhole? And then I poked at it like with my knife. And my knife mm. just like went, like it went in like four inches. I'm like, oh, interesting. Wow. It's a giant. And then I just thought, then I, and then I just started poking at the whole sill plate all around. And it was only in a couple spots where like the bugs went nuts. And it seems like the bugs went nuts and somebody was able to arrest it because it's not like that everywhere. But that one time where I saw like about 18 inches of my sill plate completely, completely turned into dust. I know that feeling that Laura had. And uh, I never replaced it. It's still there. The house is still standing. So Laura, I know if you, you're listening. It's the house isn't going to fall down. If you didn't notice that, if you never peeled open the wall, you'd be like, the house is great. <laughs> but now, now that you know that there's that problem, and the only thing that's going to happen, and you know, just like people yelling at you, Bob, for your car, they're going to yell at me, what I'm about to say. The only thing that's going to happen is your house is going to start to just, you know, you're going to lose about a half inch or an inch of height over time. You might have a cracked wall no big deal. here and there, but the house Go is going to Go eat some ice blow. cream. This, the house isn't going to blow completely over. I, I know sill plates are a big, 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 big problem, right? But unless it's a barn out in the middle of the thing where you see the barn start to list and it gets deeper. But if it's a house and your sill plate has a problem, all that is, in my humble opinion, is a huge negotiating point when you go to buy the house. So if the house is a sill plate, you go, oh, you think you want $200,000? i will give you 80 cents for this house now. So forget it. But if the sill plate rots and falls away, not a good thing, but it's not the end of the house. The house isn't going to roll over in the wind. Mm-hmm. So, she especially has, if you, she has if you find the sill plate, yeah, if you find the sill plate and it's in perfect shape, but you find that it's got some deterioration to it, when you find a sill plate that your all your vertical joists are like on a pile of dust, and if you look around the house and the walls aren't cracked and the windows aren't jammed and the doors don't stay stuck and closed then the house has settled into that shape. I mean, it's still not great. It is major, major surgery to try and fix that if it's along an entire wall. Sometimes it's probably best to just put sheetrock back over it. Go have ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's the, go check out Laura's home renovation. This, this, the videos, her videos are really killing it on the home renovation stuff. And it's great to 
journey with her to see what she's discovering. Yeah, it really is. Cool. David, I, if you don't make music at home, you won't care about this at all, uh, especially if you don't do like beat production type stuff. But this guy, just a guy, not a company, made this DAW in a box. So if you know what an OP1 is, it looks like that. It's that kind of shape and that kind of form factor. And he's using a Raspberry Pi, and he got a screen, and he printed it. Um, what do you call it? PCB board and made all the buttons and the encoders on there and made this open source project. Just a guy just made this thing and it's a, it's absolutely amazing and everything is on GitHub and he's, and I want to see this project blow up because it is one of the coolest little music digital audio workstations I've seen. And uh, it's, it's really exciting. And I can't wait to see where, where this goes. So I put the link up in the podcast chat. It's pretty cool. Just a guy, just a guy made this and then made it all open source. Cool. Um, I I haven't really been watching anything new lately, but um, the, I've talked about the smugglers room before Brian and his wife, uh, Clarissa, and they, uh, they make some awesome like star Wars inspired stuff. But they just released a video of them making Mandalorian costumes, which they've been working on for a long time. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because I've done a couple of prop videos over the past several months that have done, the videos have done horribly. Whatever. That's just the way it is right now. But Brian makes really cool stuff. And I want to make sure that because he's making a proper costume video that it doesn't do as poorly. So I want to try to send some people to watch him. He makes really good stuff and doesn't have like a huge arsenal of tools and you know um he gets some really great results both with costumes and props and just like he's building a star wars room so there's lots of furniture and all this other stuff um and they're really nice and very cool so i'm gonna put a link to that one you should definitely go check it out because he made some cool costumes did uh, megan show you the mandalorian yes metal yes isn't that crazy that was that guy is so skilled there was a guy on Instagram who made the Mandalorian helmet out of metal, like a traditional knight of armor style. Just so good. And his video technique is funny. He doesn't show you a hammer and stuff for hours. He just like takes a piece of metal, hits it with a hammer, and then it's the shape. It's just done, yeah. Done in film, film technique. It's really cool. Yeah. Cool. You guys got anything else? <laughs> got to look for that breakthrough. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And oh. we'll catch you next time. You gotta say it. We used to teach my Yorkie to say, and he would do that. He would go,